Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Okay, we're going to look at Matthew 23. Everything the Lord has given me these days has to do with preparing us for the end times. Amen? It's preparing us to know how to fight. It's preparing us to be the bride of Christ. The, the major objective and goal in every believer's heart right now should be, I want to make sure that I am that perfected bride. Because the perfected bride is the end time revelation of everything Jesus Christ paid for. Amen. He wants to see the spotless, glorious bride. In my heart, it's the only reason he can't come back yet. Everything else seems to be uh, fulfilled except the bride who's going to bring the harvest. Without the bride, there will not be this end time harvest that everybody's waiting for. And so we want to really help people enter into that place of being that bride. And we've been doing this for 20 years. Karen was saying we've been doing these teachings on Here Comes the Bride, our radio broadcast for 20 years now. And so it's exciting as time is getting closer and closer that the church is getting ears to hear what God is saying. And so as I was studying Matthew 24 and 25, which we're going to be doing for the next couple Tuesday nights. And it's where Jesus himself tells his disciples um, what to look for in the end times. And it was really cool because as I was praying about it, and I went this morning to listen uh, to some teaching by Mike Bickle, and I just went on YouTube where there's all these different teachings, and I just randomly picked one that was long because I knew what I was going to be doing. I didn't want to have to get up and down, so I just wanted to, to listen. And and. It was nowhere in the topic that it was going to be on Matthew uh, 24 and Luke uh, 21. So that was really confirmation. But last night when um, the Holy Spirit came in a powerful way, he really told me to read Matthew 23 and to teach that tonight. So let's go to Matthew 23. Then Jesus spoke to the crowd and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have sat down on Moses' seat. In other words, the scribes and the Pharisees are now the ruler of the time in what God, what God's church for that season. He says, then all things, whatever they tell you to keep, keep and do. But do not do according to their works, for, for they say one thing, and they do not do it. So he's saying they know what to do, they know what's right to do, they know what the word says to do, they know what they're supposed to do, so you can listen to that. Amen? You can listen to that. But don't do what they're doing, because they're not living the real life that they're speaking. He says, For they bind heavy and hard to bear burdens and lay them on the shoulders of men, but they do not desire to move uh, those burdens with a finger. I'm going to go to the um, translation, uh, the Passion Translation, because it was really pretty cool in this. So let me, let me read it from the, the Passion Translation, which 
is not a literal translation, but it's a paraphrase. But he, he really hits some really powerful stuff in this. Um, Brian Simmons. So then Jesus addressed both the crowds and his disciples and said, The religious scholars, the Pharisees, sit on Moses' throne as the authorized interpreters of the law. So listen and follow what they teach, but don't do what they do, for they tell you one thing, and yet they do another. Okay, I want you to get hold of this. We've got to be people who do not say one thing and do another. We cannot raise our children telling them one thing and then doing another. Amen? And you're going to see that the Lord has actually no tolerance for those who know what to do and don't do it. It is worse for you to know what to do and to not do it than to actually not know what to do. Amen? It is worse to practice sin when you know it's sin than for those who don't even know that it's sin. Amen? And sometimes people, well, I know that's wrong. Well, knowing something's wrong and continuing to do it is worse than not knowing it was wrong. And so we've got to find out why. And what does Jesus say about it? So he goes on, he says, So listen and follow what they teach, but don't do what they do, for they tell you to do one thing and they do another. Let me just say this about hypocrisy. If you do this before your children and then you wonder why they walk away from God and you wonder why they're not living a holy life or even trying to, you need to get before the Lord and you need to really repent for hypocrisy. Be, you know, don't let your children see you be a don't be a hypocrite then you don't have to worry about your children seeing hypocrisy you know what if you live right you don't have to worry about somebody finding something you don't have to worry about your children going through some drawers and finding something that, that brings shame on you amen you don't have to worry about a girlfriend or a boyfriend finding something to tell them that you aren't being honest with them amen you don't have to worry about the IRS you don't have to worry if you live a, a right life before the Lord. Amen? So listen and follow what they teach, but don't do what they do, for they tell you one thing and they do another. So when you tell somebody one thing, but you do another, God calls that hypocrisy. If you look up the word hypocrisy, and you even look it up in the Strong's, it means pretender. It means you pretend to be someone you're not. The sad thing is I think the Pharisees and I think the Pharisees in the church today and I think hypocrites actually convince themselves they are what they pretend to be and they don't realize that what they pretend to be is not what they are. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like they get it in their thinking that this is who they really are. So then the sin or the lies or the things they're practicing that they're trying to hide they don't realize that's who they really are. And therefore, they've seared their conscience so that even being with Jesus, here's the Pharisees with Jesus. He's saying this to their faces and they don't get it. And that's a really strong indicator that you've seared your conscience. In other words, I believe you can be double-minded. The scripture says God can give nothing to a double-minded person. What's a double-minded? The word double-minded actually means double-souled. S-O-U-L-E-D. It means you're like two people. You're literally like two people. There's the one person you let some people see and the one person somebody else sees. And God says when you're living in that kind of identity, he can't give you anything. 
So you won't get salvation. You won't get deliverance. You won't get breakthrough. Because you have bought the lie that you're both of those people. Amen? You're either righteous or you're wicked. You can't be wicked sometimes and righteous sometimes. Because if you are, God considers you wicked. Amen? Does everybody get that? And whatever is in you that stops you from getting that. You know, one of the, the, one of the things when you look at scripture and you see what the Lord, how the Lord never tries to convince the Pharisees and the hypocrites to change. That's kind of a scary thing. When the Lord says, one of the most scary scriptures to me is when the Lord, when those people come before the Lord and they tell the Lord, 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 didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? And the Lord looks at them and he says, away from me, you worker of iniquity, which is habitual sin, generational sin. I never knew you. In other words, I don't have a relationship with you. I'm not really your Lord. And you think you did those things. And he doesn't debate with them whether they did those things. He doesn't debate with them whether they did good things, whether they did spiritual things. He doesn't debate with them. He goes right to the heart of it. And he says, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. I never was one with you. I never ever had my spirit get into your heart. Because you would never stop working iniquity and sin. And I think it's time the church preaches this. I think it's time. If, if, so what, you're like, well, what do I do if I'm living this double life? What, if I, what do I do if you have a child living that life or someone? I would say, you need to tell them they better pray. They better fast and they better pray and they better cry out to God and they better hope they get a breakthrough. Because God does not enable us to sin. This enabling mess that is all over our society now is a demonic spirit with a pretended love that doesn't really get to the, to the issue of helping people get free. Amen? It's almost like the doctrine of the hour. They tie on your backs oppressive burdens of religious obligations, insist that you carry it, but will never lift a finger to help or ease your load. So he's talking about these religious people. He's talking about these people who will tell you everything you've done wrong, everything you're doing wrong, but won't actually do anything to help you to get free. They'll point out everything wrong, but won't help you do anything to get free. Well, anyone who's been at this ministry from any length of time knows we do about everything we can to help people get free. Amen? And I know if you don't get free here, it's because you don't want to be free. If you don't get free here, you still love your sin and you want me to enable you to say it's okay because you're trying. It's not okay to be trying to get free because Jesus Christ set you free before you were ever born. Jesus Christ made a way for your identity to be in him before you were ever born. Now, if you, if you have a pastor's heart, like Greg, you know, Greg has an evangelistic heart and a pastor heart here. He's really a pastor. 
and, and I'm not, okay? I, I, I have a prophet anointing, and I have much more of going towards the apostolic, amen? And we kind of see things how they are, we say them how they are, and and I'm thankful for, uh, you know, Nicole has a pastor's heart, and Karen even has more of a pastor's heart than I do. And when I say that, a pastor, they just want to get in there and fix everything. They just want to get in there and cuddle you and walk you through, and you could run them till they, their whole life is focused just on helping you. Pastors need to really be careful not to cross over into being enablers. Amen? And prophetic people need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, not to become judges. Amen? And say, Lord, so show me. But one way that he's showing here that your heart's right is not only can you see what's wrong, you will do whatever it takes, led of the Holy Spirit, to help someone. We, we start whole Bible studies just to help people who want to get free. We'll have people, we'll do retreats and just take people who are trying to get free in a certain area. Amen? Whatever Holy Spirit wants. But when there's a double-mindedness, when there's a blatant tendency to sin and hide it. See, it's, you're, you're a hypocrite when you only confess what you're dealing with when you get caught. Amen? doesn't mean anything. Does everybody get it? If you confess and want help after you got caught, it's a lie. You just want to stay in that relationship. See, God never wants you to get free to stay in a relationship with a human being. Right? He doesn't want you living your life to please people. God only wants you to get free because the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin and you want your relationship with God. But Pharisees really live a life of acting like they have a relationship with God and saying all the right words, but their hearts are far away from Him. And Jesus speaks about that a lot. To be honest, when we've had people come through here, and and then, you know, finally caught on that they weren't really trying to stop sinning. They weren't really trying to get free. We've had this happen quite a few times. You know, how, the first way you know that you were so right in recognizing the hypocritical spirit is once they leave, they never go to church again. Another way you know is if somebody's really struggling with something like um, gender issues or, or uh, any, whether it be homosexuality or fornication or any lustful thing, anything like that, any bondage, pornography, anything like that. But they only go to a few people who know them instead of going and listening to everything they can or going to people who specialize in helping them get free. I mean, they're looking for enablers. They're not looking for freedom. Amen? And, and every time someone's left this place, because usually we'll see it and we'll speak to them or whatever, Holy Spirit will bust it up. You can know if they were really after God, they would have gone, kept going after God. So, so one of the things you've got to get free from is trying to impress people. 
Get free from codependency. Get free from entanglements. The Bible calls codependency. The biblical terminology is co-entanglements. It's you're getting yourself entangled with other people to meet the need that only Christ can meet. Amen? And, and the same thing. Parents have to really be careful as their kids are grown. And we were talking about this a bit. I cannot take the place of God. I'm not going to be that person that gets involved in their life to take his place. But I'll be that person led by the Holy Spirit to help them connect with the headship of Jesus Christ. And that's what you have to see. Codependency, you try, they want to connect with you and hang out with you. But there's never real understanding. It's not about any of us. It's not about connecting with a pastor or a prophet or an apostle or anything else. It's about connecting with the headship of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means that I literally recognize him as having headship in my life. He's going to order my steps. He's going to cleanse my spirit. He's going to, he's going to, his word is going to divide my soul from my spirit. His word is powerful enough to show me if this is a soulish issue or a spiritual issue. Amen? I'm going to love his word. You can't go to this church and not love God. I mean, you can. But, I, I don't, put it this way. If you want to catch what I have, you're going to love God's word. I love his word. I love his word. I love his word. His name is the word. When he comes back, he's called the word of God. So if you love him and you even want to try to love him, you have to love his word. Now let me say this. And some of you really need to get this because maybe you're not seen as a, you know, in, in the community of this, you know, spiritual leaders or anything. But is there a legalistic spirit in you that makes you a hypocrite? Because a Pharisee and a hypocrite does not have to just be somebody who's recognized in the church. If you're trying to live through by rules and not live by relationship with God and let him change you and convict you, it'll never work. So, you know, as I'm thinking of some people's issues in this place, maybe it's that Pharisee spirit and hypocrisy that's holding you back because you never saw it for what it was. Amen? And it's like, if you've ever played in this, then go and get this thing out so you don't find yourself back there again. Amen? You're not going to return to sin if you hate it. But if you had a Pharisee spirit or a hypocritical spirit, a pretender spirit, amen? So you can actually pretend so well that you fool yourself. And let me just say this, okay, because when people say, well, you know, I admit it. So what? So you're supposed to get a badge because you admit it after you get caught? Well, what if I admit it before I get caught? Well, that's a little better. But admitting it isn't hating it. You have to ask yourself, what has the devil done in me that allows me to, tol to tolerate sin in my own life and look the other way about it? My goodness, people, if you want to really get a relationship with God, he, he won't even let you get with, you know, one little lie and he convicts you. And you've got to call and apologize to somebody. But you're apologizing to people all the time and they're like, oh, for, if you don't feel the conviction of God, you need to get rid of this Pharisee hypocritical spirit. 
It really could be the wall between you and something powerful in God. And, and the thing is, the freedom in relationship with God comes when I'm not trying to follow all the rules and make everybody else follow all the rules and make my children follow. I'm not trying to make my kids, when they were young, follow the rules. I train them up in the things of God, but I want them to have a real relationship with God and let the Holy Spirit work in them. Amen? I'm not trying to put a religious legalistic spirit of what's good and what's bad. I don't, them eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and bad and choosing the tree of knowledge of good over the knowledge of bad is not going to help them have a deep relationship with God. You need to quit substituting using your intellect to decide what's right or wrong based on what God's word said and you need to open your spirit man up and you need to hate anything that blocks your spirit man from connecting with the Holy Spirit. Amen? I cannot emphasize enough that that's what it's really about. Don't accept a substitute just because you're good at eating of the tree of the knowledge of good because your evil may not be blatant sin but you got evil there. Evil that can make another person feel like nothing. Evil that could hurt the people you love the most. Evil that could try to make them legalistic and actually close them off to a relationship with God. Amen? So when you look at these scriptures, we're not just talking about church leaders. We're, we're talking about a heart condition of being a pretender. I mean, I just know some people's situations. But if the wall of, of pretending is so huge that you can't get past it. Let's say it's not even about blatant sin. It's just about you know that you know all the right words but you don't have the right heart. Then you need to begin to hate whatever it is you came in agreement with that says it's okay as long as you know enough that you don't have to have the emotional connection with God. I mean, I want the emotional connection with God. He created all my emotions. Amen? He created all my emotions. I love being in love with God. And it reveals it in real ways. Amen? Because I obey him, which shows him I love him. Amen? And I say yes to him. But it goes into a deeper relationship where you really know him. I can't explain how awesome it is to know God. And to see the fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience, wisdom. You ask for wisdom, he gives you wisdom. Something comes against you and the Lord shows you how to fight it. And you really become great friends with God. Does anybody understand how awesome it is to be a friend to God? And God recognized that it's not just something you pretend and say so other people think you're spiritual. I don't care if anybody thinks I'm spiritual or not spiritual. It really doesn't matter to me. I love my Jesus. Amen. I love my relationship with Jesus. I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. There's not a single relationship, including my family, including my children. There's not a single relationship that's stronger in my life than my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's real. And that takes some dying to self, amen? That takes some getting free from entanglements. That takes being misunderstood. That takes doing what God tells you to do, even when everybody else says, do what your husband tells you to do. Now, I'll do what the Lord tells me to do, and I'll submit to my husband as unto the Lord in areas that do not conflict with what God tells me to do. 
any human being who's ever told you they, they were your spiritual head, you need to break the power of that. Okay? That is a demonic spirit. Doesn't mean they knew that. Of course they didn't. But it's a Pharisee spirit. It brings you into bondage of hearing them instead of God. I'm not to take God's place in your life. Number one, who could? Amen. Who could take God's place? Does anybody get the whole idea of the cross and the Holy Spirit coming to live in you? It's because no person can take his place. Amen. And anyone who thinks they can, oh my goodness, I think they think more highly of themselves than they ought. Amen. Who wants to take the place of God in somebody's life and be responsible like that? Amen. But you're to help people connect to the headship of Christ. You're to help them get free from these walls that make it fake. But only you can decide to hate what God hates. And only you can decide. And it can never be for any other reason except you love God. And you want God. It can't be about people. Relationships that try to take the place of people, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your parents, whether it's with pastors or leaders or co-workers, those are always relationships that are going to put you and keep you in bondage and open the door for the enemy. When Christ is the one who leads you and, or and orchestrates your steps and you hear his voice and you don't follow another, he will take care of those things. Even though it looks rough for a while. It can look rough for a while when the whole, uh, you know, so many people are teaching, you know, do this, do that. This is what it's to look like. Isn't it amazing God doesn't show us one good marriage in the Bible? He shows us a lousy one with Jezebel and Ahab, right? <laughs> but he doesn't really show us one good marriage in the Bible. I, I'm not saying there wasn't any good marriages. I'm saying he doesn't show them. Why? Because every marriage is going to look different depending on what God is doing in those people's lives. He shows you a godly father. He shows you a godly mother. He shows you how to raise your children. Be the light of the spirit. But he never puts this example out there. He puts an example out there. The Proverbs woman. Who, who does everything by the way. And you have the example of the heavenly father. You have the example of seeing how Holy Spirit leads. The many-breasted one. Amen. But God knows if I put a picture of the perfect marriage, or they think it's a perfect marriage, everybody's going to try to imitate that instead of letting me be the author and the finisher of their faith. Amen? And sometimes we've got to quit some of this stuff we read and look at that tries to tell you how to act or pretend. Hypocrisy is trying to act out something. The real deal is being led by the Holy Spirit into real relationships and your real personality coming forth and really being led by him. And, and some people don't even understand that at all. And you need to fast and pray and ask God to give you a breakthrough. But you have to hate being a pretender. How many know any place the enemy has his hooks in you? If you don't hate it, he's not leaving. Amen? He's not leaving. If there's any part about what the enemy's done that you're okay with, he's not leaving. Well, what if somebody casts out? Then he'll come back with seven friends. Because God gives us free will choice. We have to choose. We have to choose. And, and is God setting people free? 
wives can have a wonderful life in Christ and win them, the Bible says, without a word. That's how John got one to the Lord. Anybody knows how much I talk knows that had to be a miracle. <laughs> I mean, that, everybody's like, do you preach? I don't preach to him at all. We don't sit around talking with me preaching at him. We don't even talk about that stuff much. We'll talk about what's going on with somebody or, or um, you know, some revelation a little bit. But that's not mainly how our relationship works. It, it, I want him without a word because I kept changing into the likeness of Christ. I quit being a nag. I quit uh, being a judge. I quit doing this. And this is when throughout our whole marriage. I've, I've had to tell my children, I'm sorry, that was wrong the way I did that. Some of you need to start telling your children you're sorry when something in you takes over and you crush them and hurt them. And don't wait and pretend it's not hurting them. It is hurting them. When you can watch another person close down, when you can watch another person's whole personality start to change, and you're the parent who's supposed to give them unconditional love, then you need to minimum and say, you know, I'm so sorry. That wasn't unconditional love. That was not coming from the right spirit. And I'm asking God to help me, you know, just pray. And I'm not saying don't get codependent with them or they're judging you and pointing. Let me say, I usually say, until you get it straight with God. I used to tell my kids, they used to really pick on me. Like they would just pick, you know, you get two sons together, you know, that are real close. And then they find that thing and they try to pick at you. And so I can't remember what it was, but I remember they were young. And see, and I had parenting in my past where somebody would go off in a rage. And, and then it almost make you feel superior because you could get them to act so crazy. But that was wrong. I had to repent of that. And so here I am. I can't remember what it was. I remember I was in the hallway in the house that we lived in at the time. And they got me ready to let them have it, screaming crazy woman. And so I just said, you know what? I gotta go spend time with God. Because I'm about to really let you have it. And it's not the right spirit. You're gonna get it. But after God shows me how. I said, so go to your rooms. It's not like you're off the hook for the crazy thing you were doing to trigger me. But until I go get the trigger out, I'm not gonna pull it on you. So then I went in the room and I was crying. I said, God, get this out of my heart. Forgive me for judging my parent who would scream and yell at me and act crazy. Forgive me, Lord God, for whatever that judgment it got in my heart, wherever that came from. It's generational in our family. I said, get that out of my heart. I don't want to go into a crazy rage and then go apologize, go buy them something, uh, get ice cream. And the stuff you buy and what you're training there is, if I'm hateful and mean to you, then you're going to be rewarded. And what you're training someone is what I buy you and do for you, do for you in giving you things is a substitute for my apologizing to you and asking God to change my heart. And then you train them up to be like that in their relationships. It's all hypocrisy, right? It's pretending. It's pretending. And I know it's all difficult and we all can at times have flesh moments. Amen? But when the flesh moment becomes a flesh pattern and then we come up with another pattern to try to fix that pattern but it's not Holy Spirit, we're a hypocrite. 
We need to ask God to forgive us. We need to spend time with God. We need to ask God to heal those hurt places. Does everybody get what I'm saying? Everybody says, do a parenting class. The real parenting class is be obedient to God. I, but if, you, if I went to do a real parenting seminar, I'd have to take every one of these scriptures... And apply them to everybody's families. Because everything applies. Amen? It applies. The idea of hypocrisy applies. The idea of be angry and sin not applies. That don't provoke your children to ra- All of it applies. Amen? So the only real key is God help me. If you don't scream out to God to help you in parenting or being in a relationship with a spouse, then you're missing the whole thing. You're just doing all this in your own wisdom. The Bible says your wisdom is flesh, earthly, even beastly, even to the point of demonic. That's what God calls our wisdom. Amen? And so when I get free from hypocrisy, which means pretender. Think of the word hypocrisy as pretender. Okay? Because some people say, well, as long as I admit it, then, then I'm not a hypocrite. That's not true. Because you're using admitting it as if somehow that changes that you're pretending to be someone you're not. Amen? I think people say, well, at least I'm not a hypocrite. Yeah, well, yes, you are. If you're a born-again believer, okay, if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, right, and God comes into your heart, and you still act as if he's not there, you're a hypocrite. I know, the preaching here is so fun. I know, this is why people people will love this all over the world. But the, the key is God sets us free from it, you guys. Our works cannot set us free from it. Eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil and reading books from people who eat of that tree. Well, it might try to change our pattern of a pretender. I'm going to now pretend to be a better parent based on how their book says I should parent. I'm going to be a better spouse based on how that counseling session gave me hidden knowledge to be a better spouse. Does everybody get it? That's not it. God created us for his spirit to convict us of sin and change our hearts. But we have to agree that he's the only one that can do it and it's by his spirit. So we need to get the pretender, the hypocrite out of the way and call it what it is. Mm. Just because I can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good better than anyone else, that's the Pharisees. And so therefore, I look good. Yep, I do that. Yep, I, I tithe. Yep, and um, I don't cuss. Yep, and I, I go to church two or three times a week. Yep, and I read my Bible every day. Yep, and I, um, I don't even know what the rules are supposed to be. Whatever. I don't watch that. I don't listen to that. I don't do that. And I'm not going to do that. And I don't read that. And I don't do that. And I'm not going to watch soap operas. And I'm not going to do this. And I got this. No. If all that was done by your brain, you're a pretender. You're a hypocrite. You've got to get the revelation. Holy Spirit wants to be in charge. Not you. So the difference is, if I'm not a hypocrite like these Pharisees, then what happens is, I'm going about, some things you know, okay? Some things you just know, you're not supposed to lie, right? Like, tell a lie. You should know that. But you find yourself lying, and all of a sudden, 
it feels bad. All of a sudden you get this feeling like, mm, I, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, and all of a sudden you really, it, Holy Spirit starts dealing with you. Okay, that's Holy Spirit. Let him do his thing. Amen? Now, a hypocrite, they lie. And it starts to catch up with them. So they start using their brain to figure out how to get out of the lie. Or to how to repent of the lie. Can I tell you something? If you repented of pornography but you looked at pornography again, you never repented. It's just as simple. Repentance means I agree with God now. I get it. Holy Spirit's convicted me and I turn from this. And sometimes, let's say, not with that, that's easy. Turn from it, then you turn from it, amen? It means you close your eyes. When you get to close your eyes, it means you scrape. You do whatever you have to do. But you agree with God. And you do go all the way to the point of fasting any demons involved with that to where you can take authority and command them to leave. In Jesus' name. And you're not who you used to be. And it's real. It's not hard not to. It would be more difficult for me to cuss then it's for me not to cuss. My children have never heard me cuss. But when I worked at the radio station, I was saved, but I wasn't mature. I wasn't living for God. I was brought up in a church that was very much not about the Bible. I still had a, a, a relationship with the Lord, but I didn't know you could go deeper. And everybody where I worked at a radio station cussed really bad. Like really bad. I, I've got letters that when I was really seeking God and really starting to wake up as an adult to want God, I got letters in a journal where I would write that blanket. Now, I never ever did the bad, bad words. Okay, just let you know, in any of those really nasty words, okay? I never did, thank God. So, so I would do the, I'd do the more biblical cuss words. <laughs> You're going somewhere and, um, you know, those things. Anyhow, oh, I did do one that had to do with, anyway. A female dog, but anyhow. So, and so I would write these things about the people I worked with because I was really going through the time of God getting a hold of my heart. And I'd say, that person's a blankety blank blank and whatever, whatever, and whatever. And the next page, I'd write, oh God, thank you. Thank you for helping me. Lord, help me to see. And I remember he gave me a scripture way back then when I, when I was in that place of being of the world and not even knowing. I, I didn't even know there was such real Christianity I had no idea. Does everybody realize there's a lot of people out there who don't even know? They weren't raised in a church where they actually heard speaking in tongues. They weren't raised in a church where anybody actually believed God's spirit was going to show up. But they think that they're Christians. And, and sometimes this is a good walk backwards in the sense to say, you know, we need to be more sensitive to make those people hungry for God. Because if somebody came up to us and told us everything we're doing wrong... We're just going to feel condemned and run away. We've got to make people want God, get God, really accept God. But then once they accept God, we ought to see some real change. And it ought to be pretty fast. It ought to be pretty fast. It, it can't be based on what somebody told you not to do. It has to be based on what Holy Spirit showed you not to do. Without the Holy Spirit there, it's not real. 
Am I saying you're not saved? No, I believe, I believe some of you aren't saved. I believe some of you are saved, but you have a blockage. You have a blockage of intellectually eating of the tree of good and trying to be a good Christian because somewhere you closed off your heart to anyone telling you what to do. So it had better be your idea. Amen? And that actually makes you a hypocrite. The only people who aren't hypocrites in the whole world are people who allow and yield to Holy Spirit changing them. And what's amazing with God, as long as I'm letting him, yielding to his working, I don't like to say letting because he's God, you know, he can do what he wants. But as long as I'm yielding an agreement for him to change my heart, to sanctify me, set me apart to be his daughter, set me apart to belong to him. As long as I yield it to his doing that work, does everybody get it? Holy Spirit, if you're really born again. It's because there is the Holy Spirit who comes inside of your body. He literally comes inside of your spirit. He becomes one with who you are, your new creation in Christ Jesus. And the old way of doing things and figuring out things and changing things are gone. If you really get the real deal with God and not the hypocrisy and the Pharisee and trying to do it. Okay. And and a lot of times it's just recognizing that thing as an enemy. Amen? The enemy loves to stay in charge. He loves to make us feel condemned. He loves to make us say, God doesn't love us. What a lie. When Jesus Christ died on that cross and went to hell, he went there for every single person in this room, for every person watching this, every person on the planet. He went there for them. And no one is beyond. No one's sin is beyond his gift of salvation. No one. But if the enemy can lie to you and you buy his lies and you hold on to what he gave you to feel good about yourself, then you can be a pretender. You can be a hypocrite. And you've got to ask God to set you free from that. Amen? How many, how many really? It's like, Lord, just get us so free from this. Even when I was walking my dog this morning, I was like, Lord, get me free from everything. It's like, don't you, don't you come here on Tuesdays and you just want to get free from everything? You just, you just wish there was a gigantic, maybe we'll all attack the, the pool at the mobile home park behind us when, when it opens, if it opens this year. We'll all just jump in at one time and believe he's going to cleanse us. But you know what he says? His word. His word is is a washing. The Holy Spirit washes us with his word. That's what Tuesday nights are. Amen? Make it real is being washed with the word of God. It can't be your intellectual decision to quit doing something. Now, we do that. That's called fasting. Okay? I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast that. Okay? In other words, fasting is I'm going to catch myself when I'm about to lie to a telemarketer. And I'm going to refuse to do it. So you can start witnessing to them. That works. They're like, hello. Um, I said, oh, do you know why you called? What? You called because Jesus Christ loves you. And he wanted you to do it. They, they either get saved, which happens sometimes, or they hang up really fast. But now they've messed it up, right? Because now they've got those automatic robot voices and they don't get saved, amen? It's like, I don't waste my time on those things, okay? Like, I know you're not real. So there's no... Although sometimes you can stay on there long enough and you'll get to a real person. And then you can tell that person about Jesus. 
So if you're having a bored, boring day, or God says, let's get this one, you know, and then just wait, just let him click you over, click you over, click you over. You know, somewhere within 10 minutes, you'll be talking to a real person and then tell them about Jesus Christ. Some this thing, you can have a whole evangelistic ministry just with telemarketers. <laughs> and all you gotta do, all you gotta do is get on a couple of lists and you'll get more than you could handle in a day. I mean, you might you might you might actually plummet hell and fill heaven just with all those robot calls. Amen. <laughs> Your end time ministry. Everybody's looking for a pulpit. There there's plenty out there where they'll call you. Amen. It's just like when the Jehovah Witnesses used to come to the door, I'd get so excited. I'm like, they're coming. They're coming. They're three houses down. I said, my kids, shh, now y'all will get some of the rewards in heaven when we witness to this person. Y'all go up and pray. I got blackballed. <laughs> they wouldn't come to my house. I'd have to go out in the street and start talking to them. Hey, why aren't you coming to my house? They'd go, run from her. <laughs> it's true. I'll tell you the truth. God so much wants you to see the spirit. We've accepted the spirit of the church, this religious spirit, because it's so much in our hearts. It's where we have to have God's love. We need to say what he wants us to say. We have to quit, re, quit letting the enemy be our judge. Amen? There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're not in Christ Jesus, there needs to be condemnation. Okay? If you're not in Christ Jesus, you need to feel guilt. You need to feel condemned because you're going to hell. If you're not in Christ Jesus, you're going to hell. So that's a counterfeit to not feel condemnation when you should. But as soon as I'm born again, and I know I'm born again, and I mean it, and I want Jesus Christ, and I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I don't even have five seconds of a question about it. Amen? If you still question it, then you need to really seriously look at your hypocrisy. The only people who really question their salvation are because they're playing the hypocrite. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want us all free from hypocrisy, right? But I'm talking about blatant hypocrisy where you know you're living a double life. You know that what you're doing, I'm not going to get into the whole story. You guys heard my story that the Lord had me go up to the altar. He's so cool. Okay, Matthew 23, 5. Everything they do, or a hypocrite does, is for show, and in this case of these Pharisees, to be noticed by others. Everything they do is done for show and to be noticed by others. Now, I think you could put this into any hypocrisy. What they're saying, what they're presenting, what they want you to think about them is for show. It's what they want. It's almost like them deciding what they should be like and what other people would say is okay. And, and hypocrites can be two things around different people. If they're around people who think sinning and all this kind of stuff is really cool and funny and whatever, then they'll be that there. And then when they get around people who love Jesus for real, then they'll say the right things there. And some people can be more than two people. The real is, Paul says, I'll be all things to all people that they might get saved. In other words, I can be led by the Holy Spirit and wisdom to be able to minister to anyone. 
because Holy Spirit will help me to be able to relate to those people. Amen? This counterfeit is hypocrisy. Satan's counterfeit is, well, you can fit in there, and you can fit in there, and you can fit in there. And, and the truth is, oh gosh, if you guys could get free from condemnation, if you could get free from self-righteousness, if you could get this, that's why you judge nothing before it's time. A, a brand new believer can have a truckload of sin issues, but be exactly where God wants them to be. Exactly where God wants them to be. You can't have somebody walk in and try to change them through works. Amen? And that's the part. The Pharisee spirit, the hypocritical spirit, wants to change people through telling them what they should be like. Instead of getting the understanding that there really is a powerful, awesome, mighty God who reveals himself as the Holy Spirit to change people's hearts. This next one will show us that. Everything they do is done for show and to be noticed by others. They want to be seen as holy, so they wear oversized prayer boxes on their arms, foreheads with scriptures inside. They wear extra long tassels on their outer garments. You could change it to anything. Today that could be they wear blue jeans because they're so free. I mean, some of these people look ridiculous in their blue jeans and they're trying to wear t-shirts and you know they never look like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're trying to be cool because they got kids coming to minister. So they wear what kids would think is cool, right? Just be who you are. You know, I wear the same stuff at home when I go to other countries. No, we didn't first. We, oh, I could tell you all stories, but I won't. We used to try to go like, we like poor missionaries. <laughs> and we go there, there. Ooh, these poor Americans. I'm thinking, I was told you guys dressed like this. I get to Uganda and they dress like Americans, except some of their clothes, well, I won't say tighter. They wear pretty tight clothes and pretty revealing stuff and this and that. We're sitting there in these oldest looking outfits you ever saw in your life. Uh, because I, I read what they wear as their traditional clothing and what missionary magazines told me we're supposed to wear and it was so awkward you know it's so awkward so now we don't do that thank God and but you know Holy Spirit helps you to know what's modest Holy Spirit helps you to know see we got to get this understanding and let Holy Spirit be the convictor that he is when the Holy Spirit does it, it it's real it's like oh and you don't want to harden your heart to what he's dealing with amen you don't want to tell him no. See, people don't get this. You can't tell God no there and then expect him to go on to something else. And when you say no to God, that's actually the place you're walking away from him, not near him. And then you become this hypocrite. You become this Pharisee. You go to church. You go to the meetings. You say the right things. You post the right things. You show up at everything. But when you told God when he was dealing with you, no. At that point, your relationship with God began to get severed. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you want to get right with him, go back to that place. Go right back to that place and say, okay, let's deal with this. And that's, that's where people get into hypocrisy. A lot of people come into the church real sincere. 
Y'all know what I, if you don't have a seared conscience, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? And, and here's, don't blame everybody. Oh my goodness. In politics right now, quit blaming Trump for everything. You know, just just come on up to the plate and admit you made some terrible mistakes as a mayor or you made some terrible mistakes as a senator. I'm just, talk, oh, talk about our politics reflecting the church. Everybody wants to blame everybody for everything. Well, if that pastor, you need to be where God wants you to be, whether that pastor likes you, loves you, can't stand you, can't wait for you to leave, or whatever else, is not about what they want. It's what does God want? Amen? It's what does God want? What is he doing? Why is he doing it? Amen? Does everybody get this? Like there really is a Holy Spirit. He really wants his job. And when you don't let him have his job... Because your intellect takes his place. You are a hypocrite and a Pharisee. I know y'all love this preaching. You know, you know, the hardest thing about this kind of preaching is even when you think you've dealt with this, when the Holy Spirit gets in here, he shows you it again. Like, well, have you, what about this? You know what I'm saying? Amen. We should say thank you. That is the word of God cleansing us. That is the word. It's not a bad thing. It's an awesome thing. Amen? It's an, you want, if you want the real deal with God, you've got to want the real deal with his Holy Spirit. Amen? And everything that walks away from that is a pretender. Everybody that walks away from that will be the ones he'll say, I don't know you. How horrible. How horrible. And I believe those people really thought that moving in some of the gifts of the Spirit qualified them for heaven. And we don't know if they were really prophesying by his power. Probably not. He doesn't argue with you over that stuff. Does everybody get that? He's not going to say, well, wait a minute. He's like, hey, I don't know you. I know you sin. I know you keep on sinning away from me. See, you're not going to get him to debate with you if you were spiritual. Maybe they were deceived or else they totally walked so far away from them they've walked out of their salvation. I don't know. That's not, it doesn't matter, does it? What matters is they, they got there thinking they were okay and he told them. Now, this should not scare you if you love Jesus. Right? If you love Jesus and you not, it should wake you up if you want to play games. It should not make you say, because I love that you can always repent. Let me tell you this. It is a hypocrite who thinks they're going to have the chance on their deathbed to repent. It is a pure hypocrite who thinks they can continue in their perversion and sin until they decide. Because you're going to walk right out of your salvation and never even know it. Does anybody really think we're going to be able to trick God? Like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll wait till I'm so old that I couldn't even possibly want to do that anymore. Do you really want to go blind to quit looking at pornography? Why not, you know? What? The Bible says, cut off, Jesus says, well, cut off your hand. Poke out your eye. Why does he say something so strong? Because he means it. 
He's saying, if you won't let my spirit convict you of sin, don't try to dummy it down to a place as if I don't care. See, these are the, why didn't anybody preach that? Now, if you're legalistic there, you're going to look really bad without your eyes and your hands. Because that will never change your heart. He's giving you an extreme case of if you're going to be legalistic, this is what you're going to have to do. To stop sinning. But if you want to be led by my spirit, we'll convict you of sin. And you can choose to agree with us and hate it. Amen? Come on. Look, look, come on. If you're not changing, something's wrong. Like, when we first even got in this building, I'm just really honest, we would talk about people a little, not horrible, but bad enough for God to say, stop it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't y'all all been talking about people too? Maybe not all of you. Some of you just have passive-aggressive thoughts about people. And some of you really are pure and holy there. Praise God. Not many of them walk through these doors. But you know what I'm talking And one time we're back there talking, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, all of us at one, all at once felt like, and we just repented. We're like, we can't do this anymore. We can't come in here and talk about somebody who we just prayed for something out there. Well, didn't you know that? It doesn't matter when you know it. It matters when God says, that's enough. And if you can never hear his, that's enough, either you have a strong blockage that makes you double-souled and he can't give you anything, or you're not saved. Does everybody get what I'm saying? Holy Spirit is perfectly able to do what he does. He's holy. He recognizes what isn't holy. He really has no problem. He's like, hmm, I wonder if this is okay. This might be all right. You know, he's like, no, this is, no. He puts his finger on it. You know what I'm talking about. If you're not a hypocrite, you might play with it for a little bit. How many know I'm saying? And then pretty soon, and then something bad starts happening. Man, you run and repent fast, don't you? You start feeling sick or something. Oh, God, that must be it. Oh, my God. And you know what? That is a good reaction. That is a good reaction. When our son was so sick and we had to rush him to King's Daughters years and years ago, we stopped at the church to pay our tithe on the way. There was no way we were going to go and face what horrible news we were about to get. And know that we stole from God. What's that called? It's called the fear of the Lord. Do you know that you have no real wisdom until you fear the Lord? And I mean really fear him. Not in he's going to beat me. And hurt me and destroy me. No, in that the devil's going to kick my butt if I get outside of the will of God. Because God is my protector. God is my deliverer. God is my healer. How many know Satan really hates human beings? But he mainly hates human beings who have authority over him in Christ Jesus. And how many know we need to love having authority over the enemy? Last night, I, 
my Fitbit disappeared or something. Somehow it's, I won't even tell you my Fitbit story. I'm going on Fitbit number three that these things, they send me, they're broken and all this stuff. This one disappeared off the front porch. I don't know if a wind took it or a dog or whatever. It's gone. So I went out there looking for it because I got the little notice is supposed to be there. And a spider, I think it was, bit my toe. So my toe starts hurting and swelling up. This is last night. I walk in. I'm already kind of not having fun because I've been waiting on this Fitbit thing. I get this notice and you're like, oh, I don't want to have to mess with that. And I go through all these boxes in the garage to see if we can find if anybody put it there and all this stuff. And then I go in. Here I walk outside with the flashlight trying, trying to find the lights on, trying to find it. And a spider bites my toe. And this big pussy thing gets there and it starts hurting this. I'm, I look at that. I'm like, no. I'm like, that's what I said. No. Mm-mm. I said, no. I've, I bit down. I put my hand on that toe. I said, in the name of Jesus, no poison shall harm me. I'm not doing this. It popped, gone, and went right back to normal. Just like that. How many are ready for some of that? How many are ready to live holy and take authority and tell the devil he can't do it? Even if it's a dumb spider that really could do it, I still have authority. Adam and Eve had authority over everything that creeped on the earth. Never says they had authority over spiritual things because I don't think they did. Because they didn't need to if they didn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But that's another whole deep teaching. Let's go there one day. Amen? Instead of, oh, I'm rushing to the doctor. Oh, I'm doing this. But you've got to not have pretended faith. You've got to know that Holy Spirit lives in you. You've got to know he's rose up in you. You've got to know this ain't happening. And mean it. Because pretended faith, hypocritical faith, double soul faith, could mean you should have gone to the doctor and you could have had it taken care of and now you got a big problem because you didn't. Amen? So you can't teach this as legalistic things to do or not do. You've got to know. See, if we get free from hypocrisy, if we get free from this Pharisee hypocritical spirit of trying to figure everything out with our brain and put it on other people and judge everything, then you can just know by the Holy Spirit. It was like Holy Spirit was like, you don't have to put up with this. I said, thank you, I don't. Amen? Amen? But I've gone to, when I put that nail through my foot, that hurt. That was so funny. Anyway, tell me stories. But I, you know, I, I was going to pull it out. Has anybody ever done this? I got this nail sticking out my foot. I got a picture. I got this nail sticking out my foot. I'm like, oh man, when John gets home, I'm going to be sitting here with this nail sticking out my foot. So I'm thinking, I'm going to pull it out. And I get ready. And it, it didn't hurt. But I, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't, I just couldn't pull it out. So I'm sitting there with my foot up, you know, and so I called John. I'm like, honey, I can't drive myself to the, <laughs> to the patient first or whatever they're called. I, I got a nail in my foot. So he comes and he's looking at it. He goes, Sydney, that's really in there deep. He goes, we got to go to the doctor. I said, oh, man. So I have to sit in the car. So we drive up. They look at me. They actually think, my goodness. They said, you are like, you have either cut a major something that's going to take a lot of physical therapy and surgery. And they said, we can't handle this here. you got to go to the emergency room. Like, we want to call an ambulance. I'm like, no, no, don't call an ambulance. So 
so they're like putting me in the car like don't move they said you are if you haven't severed this thing you are so close even one little tiny if you had tried to take that out you would have done so much damage nerve damage I'm like okay so I'm sitting there now it doesn't hurt though it looks horrible okay I'm talking like this is now sticking out your foot so so they they they, they send people out with with a wheelchair this is a few years ago. These are people in the wheelchair. They're all like being really careful. Don't touch the foot. They put me in the wheelchair. And, uh, it's, it looks like it should be horrible pain, but it doesn't hurt. So I'm sitting in the, in the waiting room. Everybody's like, what? But I was like, please, don't anybody hit it or anything. So they finally take me out there with better machines. They x-ray it and they're like, oh my gosh. They said, this is as close as you could get to that, whatever it was, whatever nerve or something, whatever it was, this is as close as you could get without damaging it. And they said, so he just pulled it out. <laughs> I didn't need follow-up or anything. And I was like, I said, thank you, God. Because they were talking like, I'm talking months of physical therapy and all this stuff and surgery. I'm like, thank you, God. So, but I did ask God, why did I step on that? Help me. See, I always go to God and say, why did I get that close? And thank you, God. I'm telling you guys, God wants us to live lives yielded to him. Not pretend it. Not pretend it. Not pretend it. Not hypocritical, but real. Real every day, aren't we goofy people lives? Amen? Real life. We got to see this hip, this, oh, if y'all ever... You know, like I'm a pastor thing, like an overseer of a church. So I went to some of these overseer of churches, they call them pastor meetings. And there's not many women there. Oh my gosh, it's like everybody talks about the people like y'all. It just makes me, I was like, ugh. It's like, you're just like them. We're all like, we're all the same. But this covering doctrine has this whole pretended, don't ever let them see you weak. How about they just get to see who you are? How, how about let's all be real? What do you want, a bunch of fake people because you're a fake minister? Just enjoy your life. Enjoy your, just walk with God and yield to Holy Spirit and see what he wants to do. Amen? All right, let me go real fast. They crave the seats of highest honor at banquets and in their meeting places. They love to be admired by men. They like titles of respect, aspiring to be recognized in public and have others call them reverend. Oh, this is really powerful. People with very, very hurt esteem. They grab onto titles and they call each other and give each other titles to feel okay about themselves. We need to pray for those ministers. There's a strong root of self-rejection or self-hate when people have to have titles. I, I, I always make people, when they have me come speak, they're like, well, what do we call you? Cindy Foster, if you want a last name, you know. <laughs> you know. Well, do you want? I said, no, that's good. Just put that on there with my face. If you, can, do we, can we not do a face picture? You know, how about way back face picture, you know, whatever. <laughs> Aspiring to be recognized in public. Having people call them reverend. But you are to be different from that. You are not to be called master, for you have only one master. You are all brothers and sisters. You are not to be addressed as father, 
For you have one Father who is in heaven. How many know there's an entire spirit of error taught in the church where everybody wanted to be an apostle so called themselves fathers and they had spiritual sons. There's no such thing as scripture as a spiritual son except for when they made new translations and put it out there. I'm not going to get into that. We have teaching on that. But that shows a neediness in a person to be recognized. Amen? Nor are you to be addressed as teacher. For you have one teacher, the anointed one. The greatest among you will be the one who serves others from your heart. Remember this. If you have a lofty opinion of yourself, that's a high-minded opinion. That's a uh, condescending towards others' opinion of yourself. And you want to be honored then you will be humbled. But if you have a modest opinion of yourself or a humble opinion of yourself and you humble yourself, then God will honor you. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars, you Pharisees, you frauds and pretenders. I just want you to know, this is anybody who's a fraud and a pretender. Now, let me see. Before you're saved, it doesn't matter. Does everybody understand that? Before you're saved, you're just eating of the tree of the knowledge of good or the knowledge of evil. You're going to hell either way. It doesn't really add up to anything, right? This is to believers. Rather you get to hell, you know, murdering tons of people and, and making everybody scared of you, or you get to hell with everybody thinking you're the smartest, whitest person in the world and you've got a Nobel Peace Prize. Like, who cares, right? I mean... There may be different levels of hell and all that. That may matter. That's between the judge and you. But truthfully, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed from eating of that tree. You do all you can to keep people from experiencing the reality of heaven's kingdom realm. Not only do you refuse to enter in, you also forbid anyone from entering in. And how many know that's still in the church, right? Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars. He's saying great sorrow. Whoa. Whoa means you're basically under a curse of God. When you see whoa, it means you've put yourself under a curse. All right? So there's sorrows awaits you, you frauds and pretenders. For you will travel over lake and land to find one disciple, only to make him twice the child of hell as yourselves. And you're looking for somebody you can make into your image. Believe your doctrine. Believe what you're saying. Instead of connecting them to the headship of Christ. You blind guides, great sorrow awaits you, woe to you. For you teach that there's nothing binding when you swear by God's temple. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, you are bound by your oath. You are deceived in your blindness. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that whoever takes an oath by swearing by the altar, it is nothing. But if you swear by the gift upon the altar, then you are obligated to keep your oath. What deception? What is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Basically, he's just saying, if you promise to give money, then they're going to harass you and hassle you and come at you until you give that money. But if there's no money or offering involved, they're not concerned about it. That's what that's really saying, just so in case you cared. Um, Anyone who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by the God who sits upon it. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and Pharisees. Now this one you need to listen to. You frauds and pretenders. And in the other scripture says hypocrites. For you are obsessed with every little detail and issue. Your brain thinks about everything, keeps account of everything, keeps track of everything. You're constantly looking for what's somebody doing wrong. How are they doing it wrong? How am I going to correct them? How am I going to control them? You need to get control out of your spirit. Amen. You need to not control your children. You need to unconditionally love your children and help them to grow in their understanding of God and teach them about God and show mercy. Pharisees have shown no mercy. 
It says you insist on paying tithes on the smallest herbs that grow in your gardens. He, and the Lord said, fine, do that. But you ignore the most important duty of all, to walk in the love of God, to display mercy to others, to live with integrity. Readjust your values and place first things first. What blind guides, he says, you nitpickers, you spoon out the gnat from your drink, yet at the same time you've glopped down a camel without realizing it. Great sorrow awaits you, religious scholars and Pharisees, you frauds and impostors. You are like the one who wiped clean the, now this is big. You wipe clean the outside of the cup or bowl, leaving the inside filthy. You are foolish to ignore the greed and self-indulgence that live like germs within you. How many know some of the things they have us doing right now in the chaos 2020? It is like trying to take care of outside issues when a lot of the, these things they know aren't working. You are blind and deaf to your evil. Okay, the hypocritical spirit, the pretender spirit, will make you blind so you can't see it, and deaf to your own evil. So I would encourage you to renounce that blindness, to renounce that deafness, and ask God to open your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears. You repent for taking on blinders and, and something to make you not hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? He's really saying here, you don't get this. That's what he's saying to the Pharisees. You don't get this. But I believe because of the blood of Jesus Christ that nothing is too powerful to stop us from receiving what God has. Amen? And there were Pharisees, right? There were Pharisees who got it. Paul was one of them. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. So God will break through to the heart that wants to be broken through to. Amen? Even though he was a Pharisee and a rule follower and all these things and even murdering Christians, deep in his heart, he really wanted God. He really wanted God. That's the key. If deep in your heart you really want to be free and you really want a real relationship with Jesus Christ, there's no demonic stronghold that can stop it. You just have to keep asking God and, and seeing these evils and asking God to show you and open your eyes. That's why the Bible says he came to open the eyes of the blind. Recognize, I'm blind here. I'm blind here. Help me, God. Help me. And he will. All right. Um, he goes on saying they're full of... Um, they look good on the outside, but inside they're a corpse full of nothing but corruption. Outwardly you masquerade as righteous people, but inside your hearts are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Well, wow, this is all over our politics these days, isn't it? It's all over our politics. It's all in the church. We've got to get it out of our own hearts because we're going to pray about this on Friday night. So get this out of your heart before Friday night. Amen. He goes on, um, you build memorials for the prophets your ancestors killed. You decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors murdered. Then you boast. If we have lived back then, we have never permitted them to kill the prophets. Isn't this amazing? This is so what's going on now. Well, if I live, you know what? If you lived back then, you could have owned slaves. Even if you're, if you weren't in a black skin color or an Irish skin color and you were a human being who had the wealth and the money to own slaves back then, you could have owned slaves. Amen? See, this is the part. This is the part that God's saying, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You haven't dealt with the heart issue about taking God's position as master in someone's life. That's the only way you'll ever really be free. That's the only way you'll ever be free. You won't have to, you'll get it. Only God has the right to order someone's steps. Only God has the right 
to see us as belonging to him and him alone. Only God has that right. And when you take God out of it, you're nothing but a hypocrite. You can, and you can twist it and use it in lawlessness and hypocrisy and all the stuff we're seeing, aren't we? God wants us out of our hearts. God wants it out of our hearts. God doesn't, it's not down to, well, it couldn't happen because, you know, if I was back then, well, God, if you were back then, you could have been back then white and wealthy. Because we're just making an assumption if we were back then, right? We can't be back then. Amen? There's no space travel. I don't believe in that. Amen? So, so you see the ridiculousness? The truth is you don't know what you would have done in their situation. And yet you want to judge them. That's what he said. He even talks about the monuments and stuff. He says, you want to do this. <laughs> You boast. If you had lived back then, we would never permit them to kill the prophets. If we had lived back then, we would never permit it. You don't know what you would have done if you lived back then because you didn't live back then. <laughs> Amen? Admit it. Anything else is hypocrisy. Anything else is hypocrisy. That's how God sees it all. Call it what you want. He tells you in his word how he sees it. You don't, who are you to judge them back then? Look at your now. You murder more babies in the now with your votes and your silence than was ever murdered back then. What hypocrites. What hypocrites. Who are we to think that as a society... We have a right to murder a baby placed in the womb of a human being by the hand of God and knitted together by the hand of God and yet we're going to tear down statues and scream and protest over what was done back then because we're so much better. And I'm talking to every skin color. How many know you didn't pick your ancestors? So how many know that has nothing to do with you? And when you judge other people who had different ancestors and different things that were going on and you really say, God did not know what he was doing and bitterness gets in there. Some of those people of the statues being torn down are probably in heaven. And some of those people who were hurt and abused probably aren't. But some are. So do you get what I'm saying? God is the author and the finisher of faith. And he knows the time and the season. And just be thankful you weren't born back then. But as we enter into these last days, you might wish sometimes you were born back then. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we better have the grace for what we need. Now, we need hypocrisy out of our hearts. We really need this out of our hearts. And we're going to all have to drive the long way home, but we're going to. Amen? <laughs> well, we're going to pray they don't close that bridge until 10 o'clock. Amen? <laughs> this is our sacrifice tonight before the Lord. We can always stay here all night till the bridge opens again. I was like, she's kidding, right? No, but that's okay. <laughs> Amen. Oh, 
I want y'all to get this. I'm getting this. We got to get this out of our hearts because we're going to pray and see some stuff stopped in Virginia. Amen. We're going to pray and see some stuff stopped in our country. Amen. Because we are a country full of hypocrisy. We are a church full of hypocrisy. We are a people full of hypocrisy and we don't even get it until God spells it out for us that we need to repent. We, oh, 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 we, oh. <laughs> we, we do stuff in our time when we call ourselves civilized that is worse than what was done in a time that we call the barbaric and yet we're the judge and the hypocrites. We don't know what we would have done. Not a one of us knows what we would have done. Not a one of us knows what we would have done. But we want to judge it all. We want to take God's place. Oh, the great pretenders. See, is everybody feeling this? That's called conviction, okay? This is like, oh, okay, this, this is conviction. This is what everybody needs to hear. Because God could actually convict people who don't even know him when they get it. And then they fall on their knees and cry out for mercy. And ask God to help them. Amen? Mm. See, sometimes God's got to give you a different translation than you normally read to show you exactly what he wants to say right now. How cool is he? He's so cool. Then you boast, if we have lived back then, we would never have permitted them to kill the prophets. And you kill babies! Hypocrites! Oh, I'm going to have to post this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> we need to deal with the hypocrisy in the church, in our government, and in our hearts. But first the church. First our own hearts and then the church. Amen? But your words and deeds testify that you are just like them. And prove that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Look what he says. Go ahead and finish. What your, let's see what that is in the literal. In the literal he said, Go ahead and fill up the measure of your fathers. Just keep doing what they did. Keep being the hypocrites that they were. You are nothing but... Now, okay... Okay, I'm just going to tell you, for all the people who think Jesus is just a cream puff, and, and there's nothing to fear there, do y'all get it? This is Jesus, who nobody knew was God yet. Even his, his followers weren't, uh, they caught on when Peter had the revelation, but they still always kind of questioned things, you know what I'm saying? Here's Jesus, in skin, the word of God in skin, to all the religious, religious, religious leaders of the day. The big shots. Because you get it, back then in that people group, the religious leaders were also pretty much the society leaders. They were the politicians. And he says, <clears throat> You are nothing but snakes in the grass, the offspring of poisonous vipers. How will you escape the judgment of hell if you refuse to turn in to repentance? Oh, did sweet little Jesus say that to all the leaders of the day? Yes. Yes, he did. I'm not, I'm not concerned about Jesus knowing how to judge. I'm not concerned about the wrath of the Lord being completely, completely just. Amen. And completely sufficient in doing what he wants to do. Amen.
I just think I want to be on his side. Amen. Amen? I'm not asking him to be on my side. I'm going to be on his side. Amen? Everybody gets to choose that. Anyone who thinks he should be on their side is a hypocrite. Anyone who recognizes there are no sides, there's right and truth, and then there's everything else. For this reason I will send you more prophets and wise men and teachers of truth. Some you will crucify, some you will beat mercilessly with whips in your meeting houses, abusing and persecuting them from city to city. As your penalty, you will be held responsible for the righteous blood spilled and the murders of every godly person throughout your history, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, whom you killed as he stood in the temple between the altar and the holy place. I tell you the truth, the judgment for all these things will fall upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you are the city that murders your prophets. You are the city that stones the very messengers who were sent to deliver you. So many times I've longed to gather a wayward people, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are too stubborn to let me. We need to get rid of stubborn. Amen. We need to get rid of stubborn. We need to let God convict us, change us, cover us, take care of us. We need to humble ourselves. Amen. You know, America has had so much freedom which is, praise God, but we have become so rebellious and arrogant and hateful and think we can do whatever we want and it's okay. And God's got to get his church humbled. He's got to get his church yielded to him, full of mercy, listening to him. But you know the biggest thing God is working on is every individual heart, starting with the leaders who can't even see this in their own hearts yet, most of them. How many know we got a ways to go before the church is without spot or wrinkle? We're the ones holding back the revival. We're the ones holding back the move, the powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the way that's going to bring in. What, what's gonna, you know what God would say? If I brought in all these people right now, you'd make them as bad as you. He's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not bringing in all these people for the end time harvest until I have some people who will make them followers of me and not themselves. Oh, you thought we were holding back the enemy because we're so holy. I think we're holding back the enemy because we're not holy enough to mature a bride for the Lord. And now it is too late since your city will be left in ruins for you will not see me again until you are able to say we welcome the one who comes to us in the name of the Lord. And this is talking to the Jewish people. We're going to pick this up next Tuesday in Matthew 24, which is powerful. I'm just, isn't it so timely? Isn't it amazing what's in the scriptures for now? So Father, we just come before you and we thank you for holding back that bridge to stay open a little while longer. But Lord, we just come before you. Lord, we ask that you get every bit of pretender out of us, everything of hypocrisy out of us, everything that doesn't reveal mercy, everything, Lord, that we're doing by works, religious work, good works, what somebody's book says works. God, we want to be yielded to your Holy Spirit. We want to be led by your Holy Spirit. We want to be free from hypocrisy. Lord, everyone who dies in hypocrisy goes to hell. You talk about hypocrisy over and over in your word, and it's never, ever even close to good. It's a place where God, you are asking us to see our own hearts and yield them to you. So we come before you, Lord. We ask you to deliver us 
from hypocrisy, from pretenders, from fraud. We ask you to set us free from religious um, rituals and trying to do good. We just ask you to deliver us, God. We ask you to have mercy on our children. We ask you to heal them from anything our hypocrisy did to hurt them. We ask you, Lord God, to pour out your spirit on them. Lord, every single person whose spirit was closed down by our hypocrisy, by our self-righteousness, by our legalism, God, we ask, God, that you open those hearts. God, for every child that spirit's being closed down by any of us now, because of our hypocrisy. God, we ask that you heal them. We ask that you open their hearts. We ask you to forgive us, God. We ask that there, there be a way, God, that they don't have to live a life without you and wait to find you till they're older. That rebellion doesn't take hold in their heart and they don't believe that you are who you are because we haven't revealed you as you are. God, we ask you for mercy. We ask you for mercy for our children, God. Mercy for our grandchildren, God. We ask for mercy, God, for those who know us, God. We just ask for mercy, who, those who recognize our hypocrisy, Lord. And Father, we just ask that you would bring healing and deliverance to your church. God, healing and deliverance to this nation. Father, even if we would point at politicians, yet we haven't let our own hearts be sanctified by you. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for mercy. We ask, Lord God, that you cleanse us. We ask, Lord God, that we would all see ourselves, Lord, through your eyes. And we thank you more than ever for the blood of Jesus. We thank you more than ever for the cross. We thank you more than ever that he was resurrected from the dead after tasting the grave in hell for us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. There is no way any of us could make this without you, Jesus. There's no way any of us could stand before a holy God without being hidden in you, Lord Jesus. There's no way, Holy Spirit, we could ever be made holy without your working in us to change us, to convict us, to get the evil out of us. We need our God so powerfully, so desperately. We need you, God. We need you, God. Father, destroy the playing games in the church and the hypocrisy, even in this house, God. And Father, set us free from things we can't even see. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Let your spirit have his way in this place. We, we beg for it, God. We beg for it, God. And we give you praise and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.